if it fails, then I must be a failure or it has to go. If it doesn't, if I don't have a degree of certainty that it's going to succeed, then I'm not going to do it. But, you know, the biggest really investment we make, you know, this is good to talk to real estate investors, is in ourselves. It's we invest in ourselves and that's one way we do it. But it's it's the action. It's by taking the action, even being willing to fail and not letting it define us and then just keep making adjustments. And that's really all this is. You just keep doing it, trying and, make, and just get over that you're going to, you know, just fail early and often so that you get over. You're never going to do it perfectly, right? Who's this? Oh, you're an entrepreneur? Oh, you're a real estate investor. Oh, you're trying to learn from those who did it. Well, come into the lab then. Put your white coat on, gloves on, notepad, and let's build y'all. Real estate experiment, what is happening y'all? Today I have the pleasure of being with this gentleman that I've happened to know very well. And it's been a little while since we caught up, so I'm looking forward to being able to catch up on the air. We we're just talking that, you know, yeah, we hadn't caught up for a little bit. So I'm asking all these gems offline and I almost forgot. Let's turn this recording thing on. I've only done this uh, once where it didn't happen. And so I didn't want to let the serendipity go to waste because while this is going to be a nice, friendly catch up, I also want to give you some context of what it means to experiment, as we call it here in the lab, because experimenting is about, you know, taking a proof of concept into play and then refining it over time and doing it over and going deep. However, I'm very excited because this gentleman here happens to have excelled in multiple experiments, not the typical just real estate that we typically have here in the lab, but also at many different fronts in vert uh, vertically integrated business uh, with, again, car washes, ATM, multifamily apartments, uh, where it exceeds uh, a, a, a 2,000 plus units. And we were just talking about different markets here in the Southeast, Florida, Georgia, you name it. So without further ado, I would like to welcome founder and CEO of Bronson Equity, Bronson Hill. What's going on, brother? Hey, Ruben, what's up, man? Always love chatting with you. You always have some amazing thing you're working on and always adding value everywhere you go, man, whether it's TED Talks or businesses or you know, all the new stuff you're creating. So I love connecting with with you man absolutely hey listen man i'm always as good as my you know we we're just talking about this offline who not how i'm as good as the people that come into the lab that influence me that i get inspiration from and of course my peers and you know luckily we we get a chance to do business together as well and i'm not always so close to what's happening behind the scenes but it's always nice that when we do catch up there's like oh wow look at all this kind of a blown blown like you're kind of like a explosion here in a, in a positive way where you're just kind of really scaled and grown since we last spoke. So kudos to you, man. I want to let, tell you that on the air. Kudos to that. Thanks, man. Well, you know, it's, uh, I have this saying that, you know, life has an action bias, right? So you talk mm -hmm. about the lab, it's like, you know, if somebody has great ideas, the best ideas ever on a whiteboard, whatever, but they never do anything. Like I will destroy that person in life just because like ideas are great, but they don't actually get you any progress, right? They don't get you moving forward. What really gets you moving forward is taking action. Right. When you take the action, that's how you learn. That's that is the feedback. Right. As we keep mm -hmm. moving forward. So uh, I think that's, you know, the biggest thing I've learned is just take as much action as you can, for sure. Yeah. So when we go into the backstory, and I almost went into this when we were talking offline. I was like, listen, you know, what's I feel that you're you're definitely not a one trick pony. <laughs> that's for sure. And but I think when people see that sometimes they get an understanding that, oh, I can do all of the above as well. Um, I want to talk a little bit about when we talk about, you know, you and I are sitting together and we're talking about, hey, you know, what do you do for a living? 
um, A, what do you say? And B, which came first and in what sequence? Ah, oh, that's a really good question. You know, I, sometimes I describe it to people like, um, it reminds me of, there's a, a movie called Office Space. It's like the classic, you know, if anybody's ever worked corporate, they've watched this movie. It's like, you know, people get downsized and there's this thing, scene where this, uh, there's two consultants and they're both named Bob and they're interviewing this guy and they say, you know, well, they're trying to figure out what he does at the company. Like, what would you say you do around here? Right. And he gets all flustered and whatever. Sometimes I kind of feel like, like well, what, what do I do here? Right. I'm a syndicator. I'm, I do podcasts. I'm going here. I'm traveling. I'm speaking. I'm like, but what do you actually do? And so, um, you know, it, it's an interesting thing. I mean, we spend a, a lot of time doing educational content. So creating, uh, you know, podcasts and, and YouTube, we have about 10 videos or uh, recordings a month. Um, so we spend a lot of time doing that. We're you know, going to conferences and meeting folks there. I just wrote a book recently. And also we have the deals we're working on. So we're trying to, you know, operate the deals. You know, there's a lot of investors that reach out that have questions that want to talk about all kinds of things. And those are great conversations, but it just takes time. So it's just amazing how full the days are, right? So it's, um, but, you know, we mentioned before this idea of who, not how, right? So it's not, mm. it's not I've got to do everything. But it's it's I've got to build a team around me, like you were saying. I, I'm as good as the people around me, and I've I've really I think that's you know the idea of going 10x in your business or in your life is you've got to let go of who you were or who you are now to become who you're going to be. And it's you know the, it's like the Pareto principle, right? Let it go, letting go about 80 percent of what you're currently doing, so you actually can 10x and really focus on the things that are in your unique ability that are going to make you you know really grow 10x. What are the 20% of those things that you focus on? <laughs> um, so for me, the, the highest value things that I have that, mm -hmm. that I can do, really, there's a few things. One is uh, strategy, you know, trying to create vision. Okay, where are we going to go? I talked mm -hmm. to you know, before we started this, you know, I get away. Uh, you know, I think a lot of us, we spend time on our businesses, whatever the business is, but we don't spend time away thinking about the business, right? Mm -hmm. Thinking, okay, what, okay, we're doing all this. I'm super, there's a difference between uh, efficiency, right? I'm an efficiency. I had to be efficient. Every moment is filled with whatever activity, whatever. But then you have to step back and say, well, am I being effective? Like, what, what is my goal here? You know, the last 90 days we were trying to do this. Did we achieve it? Did we fail? Where did we, what, what are the best things that happen? What are the worst things that happen? And so I think just really trying to look at, you know, where you want to go, evaluating that, and, and just continuing to kind of add things in. I think this is something even with like having a podcast, right? That was kind of early on. I was getting started. It's like, okay, I'm going to add this in. And it seemed like so much work, whatever. Then I kind of realized, oh, okay, I've got, now I've got you guys to kind of help with that, right? And then I've yeah. got other people that kind of help now manage and kind of even help edit the videos and do all the stuff that I was spending time doing. And so they just, the more stuff I learned, it's like, oh, I actually can give that away. I can give that away. And it's just, it's just continually trying to do more by giving more things away to other people. Mm, very interesting. So what are your thoughts then? Bronson, um, we talk about niches. I think I was telling you about what we're doing on this side, right, of the equation, right? But then on your end, you're more, you got a vertical of multifamily, you got ATMs. Which one came first into the equation or into the lab as far as experiments go? Yeah, so I started with, um, well, I started initially with single family, and then I realized I wasn't going to get where I wanted to go, and I found multifamily and syndication. And so since then, we've raised uh, over $35 million the last you know, four years. I was able to quit my corporate job. So that was huge. But it started with single family or excuse me, single family, then multifamily. And then and then I realized like with multifamily about you know 12 to 18 months ago when they started you know, raising rates. Mm -hmm. And I started to see it be more challenging in multifamily. We started to diversify a little bit into other things. 
And so, you know, my book that's coming out soon, it should be out the end of this month. Actually, I don't know when this will come out, but it's called Fire Yourself, Replace Your Working Income with Passive Income in Three Years or Less. And it's just, you know, how do you actually vet a deal and what really, what, what are your goals? Like a lot of times we think, you know, like I've got to be in real estate, I'm going to be this type of real estate, but it may not be the right time to buy that kind of real estate. It may be another type of asset. And so if you're looking for tax reduction, you're looking for cash flow, or you're looking for long-term appreciation or having some real high potential growth, those are all different things. Mm. So it's kind of trying to figure out where you want to go. So for our investors, I mean, we felt, especially these days, uh, last 12 months, especially, uh, you know, cash flow in multifamily deals has not been great, mm -hmm. right? The higher costs, higher interest rates, insurance, all these things have eaten into cash flow. Our ATM fund has been a cash cow. I mean, it literally, these things just spit out money, figuratively and literally, right? <laughs> and it's amazing. People are still using them. And so it's, we have the biggest, we just have to convince our investors that it's not people like in our demographic that are using them. It's people that are typically low income or have, you know, are on unemployment or working with cash or other things. And so, um, so it, it's, it's something the more I, I was, you know, a little bit cautious at first, but the more I invested as an individual and I thought, well, what if I bring my, my investors to this? And it's, it's worked really well. Mm, I love, by the way, how you said that I started doing it first as an individual, and then you brought your investors along for the ride. Is that how you typically experiment for lack of a better words? It's you put your money where your mouth is first, or do you just say, Hey, listen, I have a proof of concept based on the research that I've done. What, what comes first to you? Cause I think it's really important, you know, as we listen to these podcasts, maybe you get inspired. The next step might be before I go out and raise capital, you know, do I do it at a small scale or, you know, do I, do I bring in a partner that where I have a proven record where they trust me to make the right call? Which one was it for you? Or was it a little bit of both? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I think it's, I think it's a combination of both. I mean, I think ideally, you know, as an operator, I think, um, you know, it, it's great if you can invest and just kind of be in something for a year or two before you bring it to investors, because you have the experience. There's really nothing like actually sending the money, hearing about the communication. I mean, it can sound, everything can sound great, but, you know, it's very different after you've worked with somebody at a deal. You really feel like you know them, right? You know kind of what communication you're going to get, you know, how they operate. I used to think we all wanted the same thing in investing, right? We all wanted to communicate really well with investors. We all wanted to be very conservative. And then I realized, like, you know, not everybody has the same values, right? Yeah. A lot of people, it's unfortunate. I would say the majority of folks that raise money from investors, once they raise the money, they really don't want to hear from investors, right? Mm. But I think that's kind of a terrible way to do business, right? I want to answer every, I may not be able to answer at the time, every single phone call, but I get back to every investor because they're important, right? And that's how I want to be treated as well. And one of the most frustrating experiences I've had as a passive investor is just not being able to get somebody on the phone or not be able to get a question answered when I need it, right? Or it takes weeks to get a response. Sure. So I think that's something we've really built our business around. But but I think, you know, over time, um, you know, there are some investments we found where it's, it's a unique opportunity. There has not been a chance to invest in this group or it's, it's a, it's a kind of emerging opportunity and the ATM one I invested in first. And then you know, after a while I, I brought that to my, my investor groups, so that's been great. And then some of our other deals, we've just through relationships and through, uh, you know, we typically will always invest alongside of our investors as well. But, um, but yeah, I think that's ideally, you know, you invest first and then, you know, down the road, you bring it to your investors, but sometimes things, you know, come up that are just very unique deals and you can't always, it doesn't always make sense to do that. Okay, so let's talk about your trajectory because I and then I, I'm putting a footnote on this ATM thing because this I really wanted I just have no idea. I've, I mean, I've heard of it, but I get you yeah. here in the flesh who's done it as a true practitioner. So I'm going to yeah. ask the right questions. But before that, you talked about your book that's coming out, which I'm so excited for you and congratulations on that. 
And Me obviously, too. it's speaking to a very specific avatar. And from what I understand is you, you had, again, were able to do this, walk away from your job, build that uh, financial freedom and, and, and now this monster operation that you have. But what did that transition look like? Just so we understand the evolution, and we're not saying that's going to be true for everyone, but I think storytelling, there's a power in being able to be like, oh, okay, I'm following here the chapters. And I think sometimes people hear 2,000 units, they hear ATMs, they hear car washes. It, it, it can almost kind of freeze them and be like, well, I can never do that. Bronson Hill is just blessed. So what does that yeah. look like as far as that transition for you? You say you dabbled in single family. What was the natural path of, of progression? Maybe lack of better words, not, not even a path of progression, just more of a, huh, let me just 10x. What did that look like for you, that transition, I should say? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so basically, a single family. Uh, you know, I, I started buying houses with a, a relative in another state. It just, you know, they, on paper looked great. It was not cash flowing how I wanted. So, I had a, a cousin I hadn't seen in years. Who's I didn't know what he did. I just knew he did stuff in real estate. And I showed him here's my plan to get thirty houses and to retire, quote unquote, from my job with passive income. And he's like, that sounds like a lot of work. Why don't you do multifamily? And I said, well, I'd love to, but I don't have the money. He said, well, you can raise the money. And he's, he talked about syndication. He said, go to this event, listen to this podcast, read this book. So I did everything he said. And a lot of these books were talking about like starting a meetup. So I ended up starting a meetup in, in LA. And that was a great, if somebody's starting, that's a great way to kind of get connected to people locally and learn a lot. And so at the first meetup, we had 60 people. And there's a story kind of how we were able to do that. But 60 people there, a guy comes up. And again, there's a difference between being an expert and being a leader right? An expert knows the topic really well, whatever. I was not an expert. And he says to me, I was not like, I had some real estate experience, but, but no multifamily experience. And this guy, because I was a leader and you know, I was leading the room as the friend comes up, he says, Hey, I, I do one of your deals. And I was like, are you talking to me? You know? And so you said, I was a sales background. So I had enough experience. Said, well, let me, let me take this guy out to coffee and just see what he has to say. So I got together with him and I brought a sample deal of here's what a deal would look like. If I had a deal, would you be interested? He said, yeah, I'd invest hundred K in something like that. I said, okay, great. So then I had met somebody else at that same meetup who had a deal, who was looking for money. So I just literally connected the two of those. And now that was how I got started. I went from being just somebody who was around it to like, now I'm a GP and a deal, right? Which is a big deal. And so from there, um, I just, you know, started, kept learning, analyzing deals, doing everything I could to learn. And about six months later, I was at a, a high paid investor event and I connected with a well-known syndicator and basically pitched him and said, Hey, what if, um, I was starting to build my own brand, but I said, what if we did this together? I came on board. I helped you do this. We had calls, we had podcasts, whatever. I kind of helped kind of cast a video. He's like, yeah, let's do it. So we ended up doing it. I got, you know, basically a thousand over the next 18 months of working with this guy, I basically got about a thousand one-on-one phone calls while still working my full-time job. So these are mm. 20, 30 minute Zoom calls talking about investing. I'd take them at you know, six in the morning. I'd take them at lunchtime. I had a job where I was medical sales. So I was in the car. So I'd schedule, okay, I got an hour in the car. I'll do two calls in the car. I'll do them in the evening. I'll do whenever I can do it. Sometimes I take a Tuesday off and just do all day on a Tuesday, but I just did them whenever I could. But by doing that, it gave me a ton of experience in the space. So that's kind of how I got started. And later, as I was ready to transition, I just got, tried to get to where I could replace my uh, living income with uh, passive or investment income. And I think for a lot of people maybe listening, it's like, well, when, when do I actually leave my job, right? Well, the, the answer is when you can replace your 
uh, and not necessarily your income, but your but your your living expenses, right? That's mm. that's the first race number. If you could cover, to me, it was only sixty or seventy thousand. I was like, okay, these are my I'm live kind of simply whatever, but that was enough for me, and then I can kind of build from there. And so that was kind of what I was. So I was about a little over two years ago. I left my, I had a two hundred thousand dollar year job, and I was able to leave it. And uh, it's been, you know, it's been it's been a great experience. It hasn't always been, you know, super smooth in every yeah, way, sure. but it's been a lot of fun, and it gives me flexibility. I was just in Japan, came back yesterday, and traveled. That's my fifth international trip this year. So amazing. it's amazing to have the flexibility. Experiment Nation, you've heard the word MTR, midterm rentals as it is currently a hot topic and hot commodity right now, because again, there has been an increase in short-term rental regulations. And there also has been, let's face it, a slowdown in what we were experiencing a couple years back when it comes to bookings. So with that said, short-term rental operators are looking for alternative solutions to tap into the midterm rental space. However, there is a space, there is a sub niche of Mr. Rental Insurance that I'm truly excited about that I want to share with you that the experience that we've had, the tremendous results we've been able to have, and that's the insurance midterm rental space which is very different than your traditional midterm rentals or when you think of traditionally midterm rentals, you think of travel nurses. There is a space, midterm rental insurance space that we've tapped in where you need to be well connected with insurance and relocation specialists and companies and understand the right type of asset required for you to be able to help these families. What's really important that stands out the most, which you can get in what I'm about to offer you is the understanding where to be found by these insurance companies how to properly manage your calendar so that your listings are optimized so that they can find you, how to actually gain traction and build a relationship with these relocation insurance companies. I've put together an MTR insurance blueprint. That's double M T triple R insurance blueprint to cover these foundations after we've had success landing very large contracts on single family homes that literally four X what we traditionally make in long-term rentals and also gives us peace of mind because there's less turnover and a hundred percent occupancy because these contracts can start anywhere from 30 days to three months to eight months and range anywhere from again we've landed anywhere from eight thousand to nine thousand dollars a month in per month on a single family home property which our mortgages are typically around the 2400 range, which then gives you a large spread of anywhere from four to six K net on just one property. And this is why it's very hot right now. But people who haven't been in the lab with individuals like myself, like Jesse Vasquez and Dr. Rachel Gainsborough and Noble Crawford don't have the foundations and don't know exactly where to start. And therefore, this is why I'm giving you guys a blueprint, the MTRR insurance blueprint. Go to the website experimentrealestate.com and get yourself a blueprint to completely change or at least have a plan B if you're a short-term rental operator looking to maximize your occupancy and profitability. We'll see you on the other side. That's amazing. And I love the process behind it because people, you know, you know, see the on the surface level, like, oh wow, Bronson really hit out of the park. No, Bronson did the work. And so talk about those 1001 calls because i just want to be super clear on those were those with uh potential investors or was that with the yeah. potential partner that you were working with yeah yeah those are those are potential so again the guy i partnered with had a huge network he was more teaching people how to do syndication mm. like how to buy 
their own or to raise money. And, and I just, I probably, Hey, you got all these people listening that are doctors or lawyers or own businesses that they don't want to own the buildings themselves. They want to, you know, they're, they're drawn to you for what you're doing. But, um, so we started focusing on them and these were just people that were interested in investing. And so we, um, we raised yeah quite a bit of money together. That's awesome. Was that Michael Blanc that you talked about or is that someone else? Yeah, it was Michael Blanc. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome, man. That's, that's yeah. so cool. By the way, like, and we were talking about this before, right? Personal development. Like, I just think it's so important. Uh, and I'd love to hear your take on this because you might see things differently now in retrospect. But I think it's so critical to be the proximity of it all. I think sometimes you don't get as close as we can to the source to be able to extract the, the right kind of data, right? Because you might hear, oh, this is very risky. Well, yeah, but if you're working with an expert, here's how risk is mitigated or here's the process behind it. I love yeah. the fact that you created the opportunity. You didn't get lucky. You created the opportunity by being a leader, not an expert, which I love because that's essentially what I try to do in everything that I do as well is try to be a leader, not an expert, right? That's why I have you on here where you have 2000 plus units, ATMs, car washes, et cetera. And you're here to be able to share some of that insight. So I, I, I would love, I love how you, you were able to, to do that. And I would empower those who are listening to do that as well, regardless of how busy we are with our respective schedules and um what i was going to ask you Bronson, is do you do you see do you agree or do you see it differently when it comes to <clears throat> we talk a lot about youtube university we talk a lot about reading you know you're launching a book right now how do you expedite or how did you expedite your process i know how you did it but how do you feel that you know believe that is a way that we can 10x is it the who not how is it the you know proximity is it you know which which thing do you think sticks out to you as most when you think of like what was your core competency and what allowed you to spring forward faster than than others yeah there's there's a great book out there um my cousin recommended this book it's it's called before you leave your job or before you mm. quit your job it's by robert kiyosaki and it i was literally getting ready to leave my job like that month and my cousin who's the you know the multifamily guy he's like hey you should read this book and i'm like Hey man, I don't read the book. Read the book. I'm to leave my job now. What do you like? I take this way. He's like, no, you should read it. So I read it. and I was like, oh, it's actually really good because what it talks about is it talks about the mindset, right? And this is the biggest shift from being an employee to being an entrepreneur. And as an employee, if I make too many mistakes, what will happen? Right? I've, I'll get fired. Right? I'll get fired from my mm -hmm. job if I make too many mistakes. As an entrepreneur, you have to be willing to make a lot of mistakes. You have to be willing to make a lot of them, yeah. and then you quickly learn. And so he describes it like, you know, being an entrepreneur is like jumping out of an airplane without a parachute and trying to assemble one before you hit the ground. Mm. And it's kind of a mind shift, right? Because I think we're so taught in school, you know, there's one right answer, uh, you know, don't collaborate with others, you know, that's cheating, uh, all this stuff. And it's just totally different in the business where you collaborate with people, you take risks, you take chances. So the biggest thing is like, be willing to try, be willing to try all kinds of different things and realize nothing is wasted. What's well, the worst that could happen is it fails and maybe you lost a little, you lost some time, maybe you lost some money, but like you learn, right? The, the learning is the most important thing. And everybody right. I know is super successful. They're just constantly taking action. And that's one thing I admire about you, Rubens. You're constantly trying new things and taking action. And, you, and anybody who's a big achiever, they're always doing that, right? Yeah. Because you have to get beyond the like, if it fails, then I must be a failure or it has to go. If it doesn't, if I don't have a degree of certainty that it's going to succeed, then I'm not going to do it. But, you know, the biggest really investment we make, you know, this is good to talk to real estate investors, is in ourselves. It's we invest in ourselves 100%. and that's one way we do it. But it's it's the action. It's by taking the action, even being willing to fail and not letting it define us and then just keep making adjustments. And that's really all this is. You just keep doing it, trying and, make, and just get over that. 
you're going to, you know, just fail early and often so that you get over, you're never going to do it perfectly. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's so interesting. Cause it's, it's like rewiring in the brain a little bit. Right. Cause it's where, to your point, we're wired to be like, Oh, a plus. Okay. B you did bad versus, you know, taking the data. Right. And be like, okay, this is the one way to not do it or one way that I, you know, could do it better. Uh, which <clears throat> it's, it's, it's tough. I think, we were talking about this right before we got on it's it's the uh it's it's almost like self-sabotage getting in your own way when you're when your mindset hasn't and it's it, look it's 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 a paradigm and that paradigm is made up of ha- habits right so i think it's it's really important what you said is that there's nothing wrong with you it's just how you're wired to think that you know hey you're, you don't do any mistakes right do it the right way like go for the a right but that's in reality when you want to take that leap and i love the parachute uh example it's you got to build it build it while you're in the air and then you'll you're gonna get more data and that allows you to see a little further and allows you to course correct along the way right yeah yeah no i think for you know anybody listening to this show i'm sure you know you talk about the lab it's just life is it's the lab right it's all information and i think if you're just willing to try you know i i get to a point where you know i turned 40 and i was just like okay you know I really want to do this. I really want to be an entrepreneur. There was nobody in my family uh, besides my, my cousin, you know, that, but there's no one that really is entrepreneurial. Everybody's in education. Everybody's like, you know, why would you know, why would you leave your great job? Your 200 K a year job is working like 30 hours a week or less. Like, why would you ever leave that? No, it's the golden handcuffs. But then I got in this entrepreneurs group and, you know, for a year we met, I was able to just kind of talk through my business and, and I just, one time I just presented the whole thing. I want to leave my job, but here's where I'm at. And they all, all of them, all the other five guys they were all like, without exception, you should leave your job pretty much as soon as possible. And, you know, it, it may not work, but you know, you, you, you always could go back to your old medical sales stuff, right? Like that, that's always an option. I was like, oh, that is an option. So I think it's at the end of our lives, we will regret more of the things that we didn't do. Mm. And there's a quote that I remember who said that, but there's yeah. some famous person said that quote. And so I was just like, you know, I'm going to go for it. And I haven't, I was just sitting right where I'm sitting right now. And about two months after I left my job, I was thinking about the end of the quarter where I get those calls from my sales manager. I'd be like, Hey, you guys sell any more medical widgets? You know, how's it going? <laughs> and I just like, and what came out of my mouth was just like, thank God I'm not doing that job anymore. So I mean, I'm thinking about this happening and that's what comes out of my mouth of just like, and so I think, you know, that's something when you when you have freedom of time, and that's what I think more than financial freedom is freedom of time to be able to create. I let me hear your, your thoughts on that. But it seems like a lot of people say they want financial freedom, but it's really the, the time. You can do what you want with the time that you have. Mm. You can invest it the way you want. Most people don't like their jobs because they're not doing what they want to be doing. Yes. And so if you can find something you find purpose and value and meaning in, it changes everything. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think freedom of time allows you to do the things that you really want to do and then when you're doing that you find fulfillment right because as we know the fulfillment part is what we're really searching right we're really trying to tap into that our zone of genius like what what gets us up what what gets us fired up that's really when we look back we're like i'm fulfilled and i'm i'm living a life of purpose and we know this because there's a lot of people who on paper financially they're there, but they don't have that, that freedom of time, right? They're, they have the golden handcuffs. They make tons of money. Right. And that's actually one of the things I always say, like, you know, I just talk about with entrepreneurship. There's a lot of different types of entrepreneurship, but there's a specific one that I, to your point that I, that I really like because of the lifestyle that you said, right. Uh, freedom of time. And, and I think you couldn't have said it better. I mean, I know that's what I'm optimizing for and, 
And, and yeah. I'm, it's, it's, it's refreshing to hearing you say that as well, because that's a great distinction between the two for sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. It's, 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 what, what are we here to do? You know, life's too short, not to be doing a job we hate or just to be surviving. And I think uh, yeah. there's this, this proverb that says, you know, without vision, people perish. And I just think if I don't have a vision for my life or I'm, uh, you know, I think that's just a dangerous place to live. We don't think of it as being dangerous, but you look at all the depression, all the just people surviving, like they're just kind of there. And, yeah. you know, uh, it's, you know, there's that other quote that talks, I, I love quotes if you can't tell, but uh, it talks about the, the mass of men living mm. lives of quiet desperation, right? Mm. So it's kind of like, well, a lot of them are just kind of here trying to make it and figure it out, but uh, there's something so much greater. And so that's, and you, you alluded to this as well, Ruben, the idea of like personal development. Um, I'm a big personal development guy and I believe you know, I'll have a breakthrough my, in some area of my like personal de personal development and then it'll lead to some huge breakthrough in my, in my business so it's, oh, it's 100%. no 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 it's it's I'll, I'll give you a gem actually you know the one that that every time because I, I what i do is i just had a talk on this right with entrepreneurs and we are and, and I'm, the reason i'm saying this is just to level set as to what i always listen to and then always gives me a breakthrough the reason i listen to things over and over again is because in order to rewire our paradigm we need to do it over over again repetition right repetition so whether it's your goals whether it's anything it has to happen more than once right uh, you can't just rewire yourself by oh yeah well i listen to uh you know bronson's podcast and i feel inspired no you have to be like okay what is the habit that I'm constantly doing that I need to change? And so uh, part of it is is re-listening to things over and over again because, you know, but speaking of quotes, you might like this, is, you know, when you listen to something, you get a different gem. It's not because the gem was never there. It's just because now you've turned into the person um, that you that needed to hear that thing, right? So yeah. every time you re-listen to a book or whatever it is at a different time, it's now you're listening to it in, as a new version, an elevated version, or maybe there's something that you're catching because your reticular activating system is activated for that specific thing. So therefore, I like to tap into deeply. And one is um, a book that, uh, you know, that I, it's Napoleon Hill is, um, oh gosh, no, obviously I, I said all this and now I'm about to forget the name of, of the books. I'm pulling on my audible here, but one that I, uh, outwitting the devil. Uh, I don't know if yeah. you've heard it. Uh, yeah. that one's really, that one, yeah. every time I listen to that yeah. thing, there's some kind of breakthrough that happens in my life. Uh, cause I listen to it on audible cause I, I do like the voice talking. Uh, but I wanted yeah. to bring this point home too is in, and I think you'll appreciate this cause I just heard this at a conference. I just pulled it up on my phone here is there was a, I think a lady who was working at the hospital and a, a lot of the, the, these were the top five regrets that she, she, she heard. I, th I don't know if she was like a, a nurse or something to that extent, but it was a slide at one of the last uh, masterminds I was at and it kind of really resonated with me and I saved it on my phone. I, I want to share this cause I think you kind of talked about freedom of time, but we talk about fulfillment. Another one is here, here's number one. I think you'll get a kick out of this Bronson. Number one is I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life of others expected of me. Right. This is what people are saying on their deathbeds. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Then number two, I wish I hadn't worked so hard, which is interesting because you talked about kind of zooming out and not so much working so hard, but it's also, you know, who not how, right? Who are the, how are you going to be a leader to get people to, to, to come along for the ride in the vision, which you're doing very well, right? And then um, number three, I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. Very interesting. Uh, number four, I wish I had stayed in uh, touch with my friends. And number five, mm. I wish I had let myself be happier. Mm. Right? Wow. 
Um, yeah. So those are the things, yeah, that really matter. You know, at the end, it doesn't matter how much we work, and that's why I keep pushing myself to travel more because yeah. I know, like, you know, yeah, like I've got my my big my big trip for the year. I haven't done my big trip yet. My big trip is New Zealand for two. That's a good one. I'm excited for that one, but like. You know, I just, I love doing that because it's, you know, I get away, it just refreshes kind of a reframe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you don't do it now, a lot of people think, oh, I'll work till I'm 65 and then I'll retire. Yeah. Well, a lot of people, you know, they don't, they, they, no their shot. life situation doesn't allow for it, right? Yeah, you don't know when you're doing They don't have yeah. the, you know, they don't want to do it versus yeah. like, I want to go now. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I, again, again, it goes by freedom of time, which I love what you build. Um, so let's go to one of the strategies because you, you, and I love, thank you for bringing it back full circle, right? So you start with single family, uh, we're working, uh, you said 30, 30 doors, right? It was kind of like the goal. And obviously as we evolve, our goals change as they should, as we get new information, right? Just a curiosity, cause I'm not, I'm, I'm not in the long-term mental space. I'm completely jaded. What? When you say 30 doors, that um, that seems very in particular. What was the cash flow? Just so I'm curious, it's like per door that you were aiming for, just the level set. And then we can kind yeah. of go into the transition. I, I can't remember system. exactly. You know, it's been a little while since I calculated, but I think yeah. I would produce around 100K or so, 100, 120K per year. That was the goal. Because um, I thought, you know, that's enough for me to kind of feel like I, you know, could, could live comfortably on. That's crazy. And obviously that vision has changed. So we're really what we're saying is about like four thousand a month, right? I think that's the math. Four thousand a month on all thirty properties, which would mean, if if my math is correct, yeah, which would mean you're looking about one hundred thirty something a door, right? Um, is that I right? It, I think. It was, uh, I think. Well, so it'd be thirty. One hundred k a year. It'd be eight k a month, or eight to nine k a month, somewhere in that range. Yeah, eight k a month. Yeah, so then maybe it was a few hundred bucks a door or something like that. Um, and there, there was yeah, I'm margin. sorry. Two, yeah, around. I apologize. You're right. Thanks for correcting me on the math. That's right. More, more or less, just under three hundred dollars a door is what we're saying, right? You um, got the calculator. I love it. Now you got the calculator. Oh, of course. <laughs> I'm in the lab. I'm taking notes, yeah, yeah. man. What do you mean? This is not joking around about this, Bronson. We're trying to do the math. The reason I'm trying to do the math is if someone's listening to this, Bronson, and it's like, oh, interesting. I thought three hundred was good. Tell us how what that looked like on the multifamily side as to why you would want to even jump into that. And then I want to transition into the one I've been saving for last, the ATM. So tell us about the whole paradigm shift. Okay, 30 doors ain't it. Why is multifamily it? Give us your case study as to why I should even consider uh, going into multifamily. So yeah, a deal we did, um, we raised about $8 million uh, for, this was a deal I was working with Michael on, and we raised $8 million in 24 hours. This was back in 2020, I believe. Um, and that deal, um, you know, the ac- my portion of the acquisition fee was uh, around 90K at closing. Wow. So just That's at closing. Put, putting the deal together. Putting a deal together, plus getting some cash flow along the way, which gives some cash flow, and then getting maybe several hundred thousand when the deal sold later. So right, so so that was a lot of money. So you're talking about you know, maybe four hundred plus thousand dollars mm-hmm. that for basically not doing a, a ton of work. I don't think I don't think that's much more work than running a single family or two, right? Like it's no, it's just it's 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 amazing. We think of like you know what you said is it's really a self limiting belief. I could never do that, right? It's well, it's probably that you you never have done that, right? There's a difference in the mm. saying of it, and so a lot of times, like the things I'm doing now, I never five years ago I was like, 
no, what in the world? You're raising millions of dollars. And like, you know, I just sent a wire out earlier today for over a million dollars. Like, mm -hmm. it's like, who does that? You know, like, but that's, you know, I've got to call my bank. Hey, can you increase the wiring limit so I can send this wire out? Right. Like, <laughs> that's the kind of, you know, so it's just, I think a lot of this stuff is self-limiting. And, and the biggest thing, when you look at bigger deals, it's just zeros and ones. And it's just, it's just a bigger, it's just the same, but it's bigger. So it actually gets, I think, easier when you go bigger because you get better management, you get more help, you get better property management, you get all kinds of support that you don't get when you're working on small stuff. 10X is easier than 2X. That's it. Yeah. That's Which it. is kind of phenomenal too when you think about um, what most people go for. Uh, most people don't strive for the best. They're kind of wired to just go for average, right? Which means that up there, there's less competition. And I'm not talking about your deals per se. I'm just saying when you start thinking about thinking 10X, um, A, what I, I do like too is it's not so much that, that there's there's few at the top, not so much saying that, but it's also very clear as to what you should do next. I think there's multiple different avenues you can go when you're playing 2X, but at 10X, you know what you need to do, right? And you should just yeah. do it. Uh, so yeah. that's that definitely level sets the conversation when you say 90k up front right obviously on the exit and you're getting cash flow it's a whole different ball game right rather than you know how many years it would take you to to do that that's it's about again if all things considered on those 30 which 30 is a big it's not big enough to i mean 30 is it's it's a lot of headaches from what i hear uh so having 30 houses is what i'm saying just to just to bring things full circle. So you go there that route. Then tell me about, because I'm very fascinated. I'm actually part of a business buying mastermind. Um, so when I hear car wash and ATM, I want to save the best for last in my eyes because it's new. And it's like, okay, hold on. How do we get into that experiment? Do you typically look at it as like a general ledger, very similar to what business gross is, what's the bottom line, what's the expenses? Can let's let's go with the whole car wash thing because I've heard that's a big one. And I will say I've heard, let me know if this is true, because you're in the space that the membership model has been a big thing with the recurring revenue and that they've been implementing and it increases the value of your your I guess your your company. But Tell me about the whole car wash thing and, and how you've got in it and, and what's what's the biggest oversight that you think we, we, we like here? Here's what people don't realize, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I know we're getting to the top of the hour here. Um, I can talk about the car wash for a bit. Um, so yeah, the car wash strategy is interesting. Uh, really, the broader strategy is called a private equity roll-up. And what that means, it's not like a fruit roll-up, but in a way it kind of is. Uh, where you roll up multiple businesses of the same kind mm -hmm. into a larger deal. So, for example, this exists in dental practices, in car washes, in gas stations, all kinds of different private businesses. Yeah. And what happens is if you have one car wash or five car washes, they may sell at eight to 10 times the annual earnings, mm -hmm. right? But if you have, you know, 50 of them, they'll sell for 15 to 25 times the earnings, so there's value simply in having more of the same kind. And why is that, right? And who buys that? Well, it's private equity. They don't want to spend $5 million or $10 million on one location. They want to buy 50 of them, but you know, they want to spend hundreds of millions of dollars doing that, right? So, so it's the idea of packaging it together. So car washes are great because they're cash flow businesses. Typically, they're very, you know, it depends what type you buy. The one that we're doing is a part of a franchise, a larger franchise. And so we really like being a part of that. And then um, you know, as we build them over time, we can cash flow. And then eventually there's an exit. So we get to participate in that exit by uh, 
you know, seeing some of the upside, uh, sharing that, you know, with investors as well. So, so that, that's the strategy with car washes. And, uh, again, it's a very fragmented, uh, industry, the leader, I think the biggest one has less than 2% of all car washes in the country. So it's not like McDonald's and whatever it has, you know, if you add up the top five or 10 players, you know, they, it, it, you know, in fast food, they've got over 50% of where wow. it's the top 10 players might have, you know, less than five or 10% of the total. Why do you think that is, especially considering the fact that you just said that the roll-up might be a good strategy. If I understand this business model, when I just start doing mergers and acquisitions, or is that like, is it, I'm just curious. Yeah, what are your thoughts? Yeah, one challenge is, um, you know, when it comes to car washes, you know, there can be just a bunch of people out there actually physically washing a car. There's the brushes, there's the brushless, there's different kind of methods of doing it. You might talk about the membership. A lot of groups are doing memberships now where you pay 20, 30 bucks a month, whether you use it or not. You can come, you know, every day if you want. You come once a week, you come whenever you want to wash your car. And so um, you know, there's, there's just different models out there. Um, but I, I think, you know, when you have the, the, the reason somebody likes, it's hard to do an acquisition. Like, let's say you have five of one type of car wash, then you've got some over here. It's hard, like it's, it's hard to have the same type of system. So when you have a franchise hmm. or a certain type, you say, well, this is all kind of, you know, the same umbrella, the same equipment, it's the same training, it's the staff are interchangeable. You can really kind of oversee it together. So that's why you have it of the same kind. It's much easier to manage. Um, than having, okay, I've got just 50 random car washes and they're all different. Um, you know, it, it's a different type of thing than like, you know, the, the, the hardware is all the same. All the stuff is, is, is the same. Yeah. All right. With that said, uh, I mean, Bronson, uh, thank you for giving us the game. Um, I'm looking forward to a part two where we can dive deep into the ATMs. But what you've shown us is that scale. When you go with a team, when you go at scale and volume and you remove yourself from the equation and you start thinking about the team and the infrastructure, you're able to then scale up to the way that you've done. Uh, I'm going to give yourself an opportunity one more time to plug your book because obviously you are a proof of concept of your book. So I want the listeners to know that it is doable and possible. One more time for uh, all of our listeners and those who are watching so we can go ahead yeah. and get a copy. Thanks, man. Well, my website is bronsonequity.com. I've got a free ebook there, How to Use Inflation to Your Advantage. That's for free. Uh, the book coming out is called Fire Yourself, uh, Replace Your Working Income with Passive Income in Three Years or Less. It's a full-length book on Amazon, so you'll find that. And really great being here, Ruben. Really uh, appreciate you and uh, everything you're doing, your friendship. Everything's been, it's been awesome, man. So appreciate Thank you, man. And I know you got to jump. Everyone check out bronsonequity.com. And I can't thank you enough for being on the show. And just like that, Bronson, thank you for coming. Just like that, we are out. Experiment Nation podcasting has changed the way we operate as real estate investors ourselves. And it can do the same for you. Podcasting has been the source of the masterclasses that we get thanks to the world-class real estate investors and practitioners and specialists that come into the lab from all realms, from short-term rentals to mid-term rentals to real estate syndications to even software as a service, owners, founders, entrepreneurs have helped enrich our experiments by giving us the education, helping us build a network, and lastly, and most importantly, a brand association to open up multiple doors for our respective businesses. If you understand the power that podcasting can have, and you know that you need one for your brand, please, you can rely on our team. InvestedTalent.com is my team and the team that helps this podcast, The Real Estate Experiment, become 
the fruition each and every single week to educate my community, build relationships on the air, and continue to build our brand. If you know that you need to do the same for your brand and you haven't pulled the trigger yet, maybe because you don't know how, our company, InvestedTalent.com, does the end-to-end -end from the time that you record to the time that it is published to even repurposing content on multiple social media platforms. That's what my team can do for you. Simply go to InvestedTalent.com and book a discovery call to see how my team can help you launch your podcast.